I cannot tell you how excited I am to be here. It's is uh, it's terrible to be sick, and um, and not be able to come to church. I, I uh, my whole my whole throat system just broke down. It, I guess it was swollen. I don't know for sure, but I could hardly hardly swallow and could hardly breathe at time. It was kind of a weird. I've never had this sensation before, and so it was. Um, it was just blessed me beyond our wildest dreams when I uh, got to listen to the message that Pastor Bill did last week. It was just absolutely phenomenal. I know that you'd like to thank him so much. You know, we have our church is in such good care, in such good hands with, with Alma and all of the people who work with the children. To have that many people give up their time. Some of the people served here, whether they were uh, adults or, or whether they were the, the adults or, or the, the teenagers, they gave up, some of them gave up their vacation time to be here to kind of help. And, and Alma, just the work that she does to, to deal with the kids is just phenomenal. And she is, um, it just, you know, it, I, I had a time of, of kind of reflection at home. Uh, just laying around and doing nothing is not the most fun for me. And just uh, when Saturday came, for instance, about 5.30 or so, I, I realized that, you know, I, I'm, I would normally have to be preaching in about a little while, you know, and I was trying to get ready, and yet I knew I couldn't. I couldn't hardly talk, really. But it gave me a chance to pray for the people that come on Saturday night, to pray for Pastor Bill. I had called him, and he promised that he would say that, he, that I said I loved you, and he did. And so I listened to his uh, message on, the, on a computer, and it was just phenomenal. He spoke to us about Joshua, as you might well remember. Uh, we will be studying that book next. We're on the last chapter of the book of Acts, so hopefully we'll be through real shortly. And when we get through this great book, we're going to go to Joshua. And Pastor Bill taught us how Joshua, who was fully a follower of Jesus Christ, had a man called Moses who came alongside of him and mentored him. And, and, and Pastor Bill reminded us last week that we... We will all need to be mentored by someone. Someone needs to move us along on the walk. And once we walk with the Lord, once we have been mentored and, and, and follow the Lord, then we are to find others that we can mentor, others that we can help on their walk with Jesus Christ. And, and that's what made me think about these young people, of how uh, Alma and, and those that serve them, and, and then uh, our high school department and junior high department, and how everyone's kind of have the same purpose in mind here at this church, and that is to teach our young people, to teach every one of us that come about the Word of God, that we would not vary from this this great Bible that we we read. And in fact, Pastor Bill read of uh, out of out of uh, Joshua, the twenty third chapter, the sixth verse, where Joshua said to the people, "Be firm." He says, "Keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside, neither." to the right hand nor to the left. And, and it's just a great statement that he made to the people. And then it said later when Joshua said, look, cho- choose for yourself whom you will serve. Choose for yourself whom you will follow. But he said, for me and my house, we will follow, we will serve the Lord. And that's the, the message that I want for us to be. We want us to be a people that desires to follow and worship our Lord and that we might be fully followers of Him so that He can bring someone into our lives, whether it is to mentor us or we to mentor them. 
And then Pastor Bill started to remember with tears, at least in the service that I heard, with tears in his voice, he, he was remembering his grandmother. He was remembering his grandparents. He was remembering his parents. He was remembering people who had mentored him and helped him along the road as he walked with Jesus Christ and how now today he asks us, more importantly, who is, who is it that you and I are passing along our faith to? And, and that was the message that was just so convicting to me. And I thought that, that, that Pastor Bill just did a great job. There's no two ways about it. It is a comforting thing to know that we are in good hands uh, and that God has got some really wonderful and faithful people here to, to follow in, in every one of our footsteps if, if need be. What I want to say to you before I start the message, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 28? This is, a, this is an utterly amazing place in the Word of God. There is a lot that is in the 28th chapter, these first 10 verses, that is not written within the pages or the verse, uh, within this message. This is something that, that history teaches us. And I want to pass along the history of what took place in Malta when, they, when their ship came to rest there on the reef and they had to swim to shore. But let's read right now in this great book of Acts, the 28th chapter, as we come to the closure of it all. As we said to you, these last few uh, chapters of of the book of Acts, we saw a plot against uh, the life of Paul almost at every level. There were angry mobs, whether they were political mobs, whether they were religious mobs, it mattered not. They were trying to kill him. Some of the people decided to make an ambush. In other words, it wasn't enough that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to find him an ambush against him, and some of them made a vow. They wouldn't eat or drink anything until they killed Paul. And so that was his life. That was what he was going through. Some of them tried to kill him by traveling where he went. They followed after him, desiring to kill him or at least to put him in jail. And then to top it off, we saw in his life that was the, the natural events that happened in his life as he had a, was on this ship, was going to go from Caesarea to Rome. And then they hit this terrible weather for 14 days and 14 nights. They couldn't see the stars and they couldn't see the sun. And they just drifted. They wherever the winds would take them. And where the winds took them is where we see them today, on the island of Malta. And watch what takes place. It's utterly amazing. Verse 1 of chapter 28. And when they had been brought safely through, then we found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us extraordinary kindness. For because of the rain that had set in and because of the cold, they kindled a a fire and they received us all. Verse 3 tells us, But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened upon his hand. Verse 4 tells us, When the natives saw the creature hanging from Paul's hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, Paul shook off the creature into the fire, and he suffered no harm. Verse 6 tells us they were expecting that he was about to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had waited a long time and seen that nothing unusual happened to Paul, they changed their minds and they began to say, He is a God. Now in the neighborhood of that place were 
lands belonging to the leading man of the island named Publius, who welcomed us and entertained us courteously three days. It came about that the father of Publius was lying in bed afflicted with recurring, recurrent fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him, and after Paul had prayed, he laid his hands on him and healed him. After this had happened, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases were coming to Paul and getting cured. I'm going to read the 10th ver- the verse as well, but basically that's the message of the day. They were there three months. So much had happened to those people that at the end of three months, look what they did on verse 10. They also honored us with many marks of respect. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with all we needed there's a miracle that's going to take place on this island of Malta. This little tiny island in the middle of the sea, they, they happened upon. But nothing just happens in your life and my life. And what we're going to see is that God used this ship and guided this ship to come to Malta. And when it came to Malta, God has done, is going to do a great, great, great thing through the, the, the life of Paul. Because Paul would not give up hope. Take courage, he said to the guys on the ship. My God, whom I belong, my God, whom I serve, will see us through. We will make it safely, he said, to land. And safely they did. It is an amazing place in Scripture. Let's let's pray and let's ask the Lord to just bless this time. Father, please. First of all, I want to thank you, Father, for Pastor Bill. I want to thank you for the things that are happening in this church that are so wonderful. It, it, it again reminded me of much about this church, Father, as I uh, laid at home and, and hoping to get well. And I just want to thank you for everybody that, that prayed and everybody that had a part. But, Father, what I want to thank you for now is the Word of God. I want to thank you that you have given us the privilege of hearing about what took place in the times in which you lived and the men who followed right after you and what they did for the cause of Christ, and how they began the church, and how it took seed, and Father, how miracle after miracle after miracle took place. And it reminds me, Father, of this place, this church that you have so blessed. And what I ask, Father, is that you would move me aside, that you would actually hide me from, from being seen, but, but rather that we would see the very words that we have just read, and see how you moved in the life of Paul, and how you might challenge us to be like this dear man who followed you regardless of his circumstances he just followed you father and it was a terrible time he lived in a time where he was threatened day and night whether it was by people or whether it was by the elements or whether it was by animals or reptiles father he just was bothered all the time and yet you never let your hand to go over you used him mightily and so father May you do the same for this place, this church, each of us here. Would you use us in, in whatever way you see fit? And Father, may we have the courage and the conviction, and may we see the circumstances that we are going through as nothing but a, a journey, Father, and that you will not let go of us. You will do what you see fit. I pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I want to just share with you just something about this past week that just went through my mind. I couldn't let go. When I was laying at home and... I was just thinking, why do I love you guys so much? What is there about this group of people that I have so fallen in love with? And I think it is the Lord Himself has given me a love for this place. Some five years ago, when we began, 
we had no place to meet. There was nothing that looked like it lied before us, uh, at least myself as a pastor. What I was going to do, I didn't know. I just wanted to preach, but I didn't know how, where, when. And a pastor friend of mine at the Garden Church, Pastor Crow, called me said, I heard that what happened over at Yorba Linda Friends Church. What are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I'd like to preach. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You can use our facility. He said, I just sold it to another church. He says, but they don't take um, control of it for a couple of weeks, and you can come, and I can let you stay here for at least the first week. And so we gathered together, and as I've told you this story before, those of you that might not heard it, uh, a, a person that was on our staff for the, the longest of time and will probably come back someday again, uh, Laura um, Chandler, just wouldn't let go. She just, in other words, she had faith. She knew that God was going to do something. And so we met the first Sunday at, at that garden church and some, if not many of you, were there. And uh, we didn't know where we were going to meet the second week. And after the service, Pastor Crow came and he says, I, I can let you use the church again next week. But after that, it's up to the people that have purchased this, and they wouldn't let us meet there anymore. So they said, no, they can't meet. And so we met the second week, and the staff never told me this. We had no plan. <laughs> we, we had no plan of where we were going to go or what we were going to do. And they didn't tell me this because they knew I would have died in a pile. But, but either Pastor uh, Fred or, or Pastor Wes or the both of them went and looked around and they went to the Cinemopolis, the theaters, for those of you that were been with us for quite a while, we met there. And they never told me this either. We never had a, a guarantee that we could meet from week to week. We had just a, that one week guarantee. They could have told us on Monday after Sunday, you're through, you're out of here. We never had any guarantee that we were going to meet there. And yet, for five years now that we've been uh, alive with the Lord with us, we've never missed a Sunday. We've never missed a Saturday. We've never missed a service. We were there in that theater. It just amazes me that how God miraculously, sometimes I think we didn't think of, I don't think about this enough. God miraculously kept us alive week after week after week until a man that... Uh, was a successful business person who was going to sell these properties, this one and the one by, on, on the side of us. And so he was challenged by, uh, I think, Fred, um, one of our people that attend our church here, said to him, uh, you know, the Rock Community Church is looking for a building. And we couldn't have been in here if it wasn't that he owned both, that he could have, we could park on both of his properties on Saturday and Sunday. There's no way we could be here if we couldn't have parked in both places. But because he owned them both and he, he guaranteed us, which would take away from him selling the other place, that we could park here on Saturday and Sunday. It's written into whoever buys that place. It's written into their agreement that we get to park and use the, the facilities so that we could have church. And miracle after miracle after miracle, God has moved upon this place. And I see great things. And then when I see these many young people come, that makes me know that this church is alive. Is, don't you agree? There's something, there's something about youth and young people, young adults, you know, young married couple that, 
that, that love this place so much that they come here and they bring their children and they trust us with their lives, their spiritual lives and their children's spiritual lives. And we, we try with all of our hearts to do the same thing from the, from the very youngest of people come here to those of us who are older. And that is we are, we are making one promise that we will never fail you on and that is we will teach the word of God whether it be to us as adults or whether it be to our young people. And as you can see, 12 of them, and as Pastor Bill said, we didn't have an altar call. They, they allowed God to work in the life of these young people, and 12 of them indicated that they wanted Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And I see nothing but growth, and I see nothing but great things ahead of us. And I am honored to be a part of this church with you. And I'm now glad I got sick. I hate being sick. I hate not doing what I do, but I'm glad because it's, the Lord stopped me a little bit to think about what he has done over these five years and how far he has brought us and all the blessings that he has poured upon our lives. I, I, I'm normally a, a half-empty guy. I'm not a half-full guy. I, I always see, oh, ooh, the sky is falling. I know it, I know it, I know it. I know it's gonna, something bad's going to happen. Just wait. Something, you know, and my wife, no, everything's great. And uh, I needed to sit down and, and just remember how much God has blessed us. And you might need to do that your own self. Uh, just think about the blessings that God has brought your way. Now, I, I prayed already, did I not? And we read the message. I mean, we read the, the service. That, let, me, let me just share with you. It appears that what is taking place here, now I'm in the message. That's enough of rambling. It appears that all the forces of hell itself were against Paul making it to Rome. He not only had trouble on from people, he had trouble through circumstances, he had trouble then when he was on the sea, just the natural forces. And now he, the nightmare doesn't stop. As we see in verse 3, Paul, as the fire is probably dying down, these people built a fire for all of these people who were drenched and cold, Paul grabs a, a bunch of sticks and he, he brings them up to the fire. When it gets warm, the snake becomes kind of vitalized, I guess, because of the heat and clamps on his hand and just holds on his hand. Now, I want you to think this for a while. These people from this island of Malta, were, they knew the animals that were on their, on their island. They knew that this snake, this particular snake, once it bit you, it was you were over with. As a matter of fact, as it, it says here, look, the natives in verse uh, verse four and six, the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand. They began saying to one another, "This guy must be a murderer, because justice is being done. Justice will not allow him to live. He made it through the storm, but not here on land." And as verse six says, they were expecting that he was going to swell up or suddenly fall down dead, and they waited a long time just watching. You see, they didn't do anything for him because they knew there was nothing they could do. This bite from this snake was deadly. It was a hundred percent deadly, and they knew he was going to die. And when he didn't, when he shook the snake off, when he sat there and, and nothing happened to him. For, for this long while that they watched him, then they considered in verse 6 that he was a god, that something had to be very special about this. And then we see that he miraculously begins to heal the sick, Paul does, which gave him the very essence of what the apostles had in those days, and that was 
the ability to speak in tongues, to do miracles, and to do uh, the, the greatest of things so as to verify what they were going to say about God so that the people would look at them and listen and believe that they were speaking for God himself. And so this miracle of this snake biting Paul on his hand wasn't just a haphazard. God allowed that to happen and miraculously not let him die as to give a verification for the message that he was going to preach concerning Jesus Christ. And did he preach in Malta? They were there three months. Watch and see in a moment what takes place. Although it's not written in here, history will tell you and me. And so during this three-month stay in Malta, Paul, it says in verses 10 and 11, was showered with great hospitality. And what we see from that is the title of this message, God Meant It For Good. You see, Paul was showered with this wonderful hospitality the whole time he was there. And what we see from the Word of God over and over and over again is the same story. What the devil would mean for evil, God will turn to good. In, in the, book, the book of Romans, which is just to the right, look at the 8th chapter. And while you're looking at Romans chapter 8, let me read to you what Joseph said to his brothers. Way back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, around the 50th chapter, but before that, his brothers sold him into slavery. They were going to kill him. They decided not to kill him, but what they did was they sold him to some uh, nomads that were going to Egypt. When, when, when Joseph got to Egypt, he found favor with Potiphar. He found favor with everyone he, he, he turned to. And so when his brothers came, because there was a famine in the land, and they needed food, and Joseph was made the plan of how to keep food because he, he, told, he told Pharaoh that there was going to be a famine. And so when they had food and his brothers came and they recognized who he was, Joseph said to his brothers, You meant evil against me, but God meant it what? For good. You meant evil, but God meant it for good. Paul writes practically the same thing. If you look at Romans 8.28, it says that God causes all things to happen for good to those who love Him and to those who are called according to His purpose. God means good in your life and in my life. God had promised Paul, Paul, you are going to go to Rome and you are going to preach. If you remember back in chapter 23, the 11th verse in, in the book of Acts. By the way, you might want to memorize uh, Romans 8.28. It is a good memory verse that God does cause all things to work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. That's what kind of made me think about when I was doing this message over these weeks, even though I was sick, I would, it made me think about what God has done here in this church how he caused things to happen, which some of us might have thought was the worst worst thing could ever have happened. He caused it to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so when Paul was at his lowest moment, or one of his low moments, I don't know if it was his lowest, it says on the night in, in, in Acts chapter 23, verse 11, the Lord stood at Paul's side and he said, Take courage, Paul, take courage. Because just as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, so you must witness for my cause at Rome also. Now let me tell you a little bit about Malta. Malta is only 17 miles long 
and nine miles wide. It's just a small little island. It's 60 miles south of Sicily and 320 miles from Rome. So they're still, well, they're further than that, but they're still 320 miles away from where they wanted to go. The name Malta is appropriately called a place of refuge. That's perfect for Paul and those on that ship. That was their place of refuge. You see, the storm for two weeks where they couldn't see the sun nor could they see the stars, the storm took them wherever the storm wanted to take them. It was God who was moving them. God was moving them finally to some 470 miles west of where they started off at Fair Havens to this island called Malta. Now in verse 2, Luke calls the Maltan people natives, or really it could be translated barbarians, but that simply denotes a people whose native language was not either Greek nor Latin. It wasn't necessarily a derogatory term. As a matter of fact, these people understood justice. They understood the difference between good and bad. They, They knew that Paul must, they thought, that Paul must have done something terrible must have been a murderer because he made it through this, this, this thing on the ship. So they heard about the, the journey that they had. He made it through that, but here he gets on land. He finally takes a breath. He finally has his feet firm on the earth and he feels maybe safe and secure because these people are treating him so kindly. And what happens? A snake bites him in the hand. And they showed their kindness. They showed the kindness to the people because they received, as verse 2 tells us, Because of the rain that had set in and because it was so cold, they kindled a fire. These these Malton people kindled a fire to receive all of them on the ship, whether it was the soldiers, whether it was the sailors, or whether it was the prisoners. They were all exhausted as they hit land. They, They were soaked from the swim that they made from the ship to shore. They were drenched by the driving rain. They were freezing chilled by the 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 strong cold wind that came upon that island but nonetheless they were welcomed by the molten people who built a fire to warm them but let's see what happens once they built this fire god again moves upon the scene on behalf of paul now when i wrote that down on behalf of paul i had to say to myself now i grant you it doesn't look like he is moving in behalf of paul I mean, Paul has had one terrible thing after another. As we've been reading, people trying to kill him, trying to ambush him, uh, making a vow. As his nephew told him, there are some men that made a vow, uncle. They're not going to eat or drink until they kill you. And then after that, the ship. And, and now the snake. And, and I say to you, God moves on behalf of Paul. Because God, what... What others might mean for evil, God will turn to good if we love Him. It says in verse 3, When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat, and it fastened itself on his hand. You see, we look at circumstances. We look at all the trouble that Paul went through. But God looks at the big picture. God sees what's going to happen in the future. God knew that these people had to be in Malta. God made them go to Malta. So in verse 4, when the natives saw this viper hanging from Paul's hand, they, they, they knew justice. They began saying to one another, this guy must be a murderer. 
because he was saved from the sea, and now look, he's, he's going to die right here in front of us because of the snake bite. However, it says in verse 5, Paul just shook the creature off, he shook it into the fire, and he suffered no harm whatsoever. But, verse 6 tells us, the people who knew what those snakes were like were waiting. They were watching. They knew they couldn't do anything, so they just sat back and watched. They wanted to see if he was going to swell up or if he was going to die first. And after they had waited a long time, in verse 6 tells us, when they saw that nothing unusual has happened to Paul, they changed their minds. They began to say, this guy is a god. You see, there are times when it appears that God is out of control in your life and or my life. And what we need to remember is the life of Paul and understand that he is never, never, never letting go of you. He loves you way too much. He loves you and me way too much. He is in control. What some people might mean for evil, God will turn to be good. That's his promise. Now, there's a part of the Gospel of Mark that's hard to understand. In fact, some of the older manuscripts do not even have it written in there. Take a look at Mark. It's to the left. You'll go past the book of John and Luke, and you'll hit Mark. And and it's the, the last chapter, chapter 16. But perhaps what happened through Paul can make sense of these last few verses in this last chapter of Mark. It's a very difficult place to understand. In verse 14, Jesus Christ appears to the eleven. I want you to note, he appears to the eleven. That's the apostles. And he was upset with them. Let's read verse 14. After he appeared to the eleven themselves, as they were reclining at the table, he, Jesus Christ, reproached them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. He was upset with them that they would even doubt that he had risen. But he said to them in verse 15, I want you to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, and the persons who believe and have been baptized, they will be saved. But the person who has disbelieved, that person is going to be condemned. That's the whole ideal of the gospel. There is no middle ground. You are either a believer or you are not. You are either saved or you are condemned. That's the Bible. Dr. McGee says it best. You're either a saint or you ain't. That's it. And so there's no really middle ground. You and I can know for certain that we are believers when we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and He alone to forgive us of our sins. So he said, to those who believe, they'll be okay. They'll be saved. For those who disbelieve, they're going to be condemned. Then he says in verse 17, which is hard to understand, signs are going to accompany you. Signs are going to accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. See, that's what happened. Paul didn't pick that thing up. He didn't know that he was going to bite them, but it did. And if they drink any deadly poison, it's not going to hurt them. This snake could not harm Paul. And he says, they, you will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. And that's what happened when Paul was in Malta. And Paul did that to verify the message of Jesus Christ. And so it says in verse 19, when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So they, verse 20, the 11, they went out, they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them. I want you to note that very clearly. The Lord worked with them. You see... The Lord confirmed the word by the signs that followed. What Paul did, getting bitten by a snake, was a blessing from God. It 
probably didn't feel like it at first. With Paul being in this shipwreck, with Paul being where he is in Malta was God's blessing, as you're going to see in a moment. But I'm certain that Paul wondered about it all. And yet, what others meant for evil, God will turn to good. Now, I want you back to Acts chapter 28. I want to kind of wind this down. I firmly believe that these signs were limited to that time and to those men, namely the eleven, the apostles, and Paul later on. You see, all of this happened before the New Testament was completed. And so when the, the apostles needed, they needed the sign gifts, whether it be tongues or healings or miracles, they needed these gifts to substantiate or to verify the message that they were going to give to the people concerning the gospel. And this is what I believe happened. I believe that God saved the life of Paul from that snake so that God could heal the people through Paul. As it says in the book of, 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 of Mark, that the Lord God worked with them. God healed the people through Paul so as to verify what Paul was about to tell them. Now, we don't see it written here in Luke. I mean, excuse me, in Acts, where Luke writes this story. We don't see what took place, but history tells us greatly about what happened in Malta. Now, as you, can, you and I can see from verses 3 through 6, the pagan people, the, the people of Malta, had a sense of right and wrong. Although Paul was saved from the sea, they thought justice took place and would not allow Paul to live. And so thinking that he was guilty because he was weathered the storm at sea and now he was bitten, they noticed once he didn't swell up, once he didn't fall dead, as it says in verse 4, they thought, this guy must be a god now, this is not the first time that people called Paul a god. Back in, in Acts chapter 14, from verse 6 forward, <clears throat> Paul healed a man who had been lame from his mother's womb. In other words, he had never walked, and Paul healed him. And Paul healed him so as to verify what he was going to tell the people in Lystra about Jesus Christ. But the people of Lystra thought that Paul and Barnabas were two gods that came back to earth, nam- namely Hermes and, and Zeus. And so when the crowds, it says in in Acts 14, verse 11, when the crowds saw that Paul, what he had done, they raised their voice and they said, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. Now I'm sure just as Paul did in Lystra, Paul immediately set these islanders straight saying, I am not a god, but I know of who God is. Remember what Paul said in Acts chapter 14 and verse 15. He said, man, why are you doing these things? In other words, why are you trying to name me as a God? We're nothing but men, the same nature as you. We've come to preach the gospel to you, that you should turn from your vain things, that you should turn to a living God. You should turn to the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And Paul led people to Christ in Lystra. Watch what he's going to do here in Malta, although it's not mentioned Back to Acts chapter 28, verse 7 and 8. Now, in the neighborhood, it says, of that place, there were lands that belonged to the leading man in the island of Malta. His name was Publius. He welcomed and entertained Paul and the rest of them courteously into his home for three days. And it happened that it says in verse 8 that the father of Publius, Publius's dad was laying in a bed afflicted with reoccurrent fever and dysentery. 
And so Paul went in and saw him. And after Paul had prayed, and I'm sure everybody was witnessing what took place, Paul laid his hands on Publius's father and healed him. And Publius, the leading man of the island, where it says he is the leading man, the word in Greek is T-O, P-R-O-T-O, T-E-S, N-E-S-O-U. Its title indicates that Publius was the Roman governor that came from Rome to watch over Malta, to bring order to Malta as far as Roman order. And so Publius graciously welcomed Paul and the rest into his home and entertained them, the Bible says, courteously for three days. Even though, verse 8 tells us, his dad was lying in bed sick with a fever and dysentery. But Paul was able to repay Publius for his hospitality. As we learn in verse 8, Paul went in to see his dad. And after Paul had prayed, it says Paul laid his hands on him and healed him. You know, a couple of things took place through this prayer. Number one, Paul's prayer acknowledged the fact that he was dependent upon God. Paul did not want those people to think that his prayer and what he was about to do was anything of his own making. He placed his dependency upon God's power as he prayed. And then when he laid hands on him, he affirmed that God was going to work through his hands to heal his father. And surely enough, his father was healed. And not surprisingly, in verse 9, we are told the rest of the people who were sick on that island came to Paul, and it says that Paul healed all of them. They were all getting cured Now, although Luke does not mention it, Paul undoubtedly preached the gospel. And I'm going to show you how and why. Since the purpose of miracles was not for the people to get well, people were going to die eventually. The purpose of miracles was to confirm what Paul was going to tell them about Jesus Christ. And what we know from history is amazing in this place of Malta. According to history, folks, we are told that after Paul was there for three days, and he was ready to leave the island, there was a church that was formed in Malta. We are not told that here. And the first pastor, according to tradition and according to history, was none other than Publius. He was so taken by what Paul did to his father and the rest of the people in that island of his that he kept saved. And after he became saved, he understood as much as he could about the Bible, and he became the first pastor of a church in Malta. And that church is still alive today. God put Paul and the people on that ship off course for them, but not for God. God wanted them to be in Malta. God had a purpose in Paul being on, on, the, on the island of Malta, and that was to be faithful, to share the Lord with these dear people, and these people came to form a church. And look what they did. That's why I wanted to read verse 10 to you. As as they were going to leave, they they must have supplied them with a ship, and then they supplied them with, uh, with, with food and things on the ship. It said in verse 10, they honored us with many marks of respect. They respected and honored Paul. And when we were setting sail, they supplied us with everything that was needed. This outpouring of love, this outpouring of honor and respect from the Malton people to those who were on that ship and now we're going to go to Rome strongly suggests that these people were more than receptive to the preaching of the gospel, so much so that they started a church there and they were almost like sending Paul 
and these people off to Rome as missionaries, knowing that that was the purpose for God to have Paul and the rest of them go to Rome. It is a beautiful, it's just a beautiful story of the hand of God. What others might mean for evil, God will always mean it for good. God will cause whatever it is that you and I are going through. If we love Him, He will cause all things to work together for good to those who love Him and to those who are called according to not our purpose in life, but His purpose. You see, God's got a plan for you and for me. And that's what made me just weep this past week when I thought about, why do I love you so much? I mean, it's easy to love you. I mean, it's not that. It's why. And it dawned on me. God is doing something great through this place in you and me. God has His hands all over us. It would be... It would be, I've had so many pastors say to me, this is not right. Churches don't happen like this. God allowed us to have this place at this time for who knows, as he said to Esther, for such a time as just this. And so when we see these young people come in and sing, you can rest assured that this church is alive. God is doing something in their lives and he's doing something in our lives. And as Pastor Bill so beautifully taught us last week, let us be people who reach out and mentor other people. Let us remember those who mentored us. And let us reach out to others. Now, I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for allowing us to see a glimpse of what he went through. It wasn't easy, Father. Looking back on it, we can see how, how simple it appears. But when he was going through it, I can only imagine. I mean, how he must have felt for 14 days and 14 nights. Even the hardened sailors thought they were going to die. And so, Father, in the midst of his circumstances, you were there. And what others might have thought was meant for evil, you meant it for good, dear Father. You took Paul to Malta. People reach with the message of Jesus Christ in Malta. You even allowed a snake to clamp onto Paul's hand so that they would be astounded that he didn't die and, and realize that he must be someone special. And special he was. He confirmed to those people that he was not truly a God, but he was just one who would present the gospel of the God whom he loved, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Father, may we be like Paul in some small way. May we have the faith of Him. May we have the trust of Him. May we be like Joshua, someone who is fully committed to follow You, Father. And so we might mentor others. So Lord, thank You that we can see over and over and over again within Your Word that what others might mean for evil if we just continue to hold firm and to love You and fully follow You, You will turn to good. So Lord, thank You for this lesson. Thank you for dear Paul. We love him a lot, Father, but we love you. And we love your dear son. And we come to you in your son's name and we ask your blessings upon us in the name of Jesus Christ that we would be truly strong and very vivid and very, well, not vivid, but very faithful, I guess I should say, followers of your dear son. We ask you these things in his name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. 
Now, I love you all. You may be able to go and pick up your kids. Thank you so much for being here. I love you, I love you, I love you.